Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo, and today I'm joined with the three Toms of Stewardship Mission of Faith, Tom DeAngelis, Tom Terrace, and Tom Fertile. How are you guys doing? All right. Awesome, Rob. Rob. All right, so I can't get anybody's name wrong. This is awesome today. <laughs> for for one that uh, for a person who's you know deficient in remembering people's names, this is uh, this is this is a beautiful thing. Uh, all right, so uh, again, welcome to Reflections from the Heart. For those of you who are new, welcome for the first time. Those of you who have been with us before, welcome back. Uh, it is a reflection, a gospel reflection. So we're going to look at the gospel that we will hear this coming Sunday. So we're not hearing it for the first time, and we'll just see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us individually. You know, just n- listen when we when we're reading the gospel for a word or a phrase that the Lord is just kind of tugging at your heart. And um, and we'll share here in the studio, but just ponder those uh, those words or those phrases and uh, and see what the Holy Spirit is, is leading you to. But before we get into the gospel, Tom Fertile, if you can lead us with a prayer, that'd be awesome. Certainly. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we we invite you. Uh, into our midst, we invite the inspiration of your Holy Spirit to to be with us here in the studio, that you would deliver uh, the words that you would have for our audience, that you would just use us as your vessels, all of our work and deliberations be of you and through you and with you, and we ask for the Holy Spirit just to open the hearts and minds of uh, those listening, that again, we uh, all be open to receive uh, the gifts that you have. We know that you stand so eagerly just waiting to pour out the good stuff uh, to each of us and uh, help us to be open to whatever your promptings are, that we may uh, uh, be open to receive the goodness, the good stuff, the grace, the grace, the mercy, all that you have in store for us. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Son, and Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Tom Terrace, if you could Share the gospel with us. Sure. This is um, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. One of the things I I noticed about this when we were reflecting on it earlier in the week is that, and somebody, one of the people I was with brought it up, is that, you know, it seems obvious to us that these are the two commandments that sum up the law and the prophets, and we have the benefit of Jesus's, you know, wisdom uh, in, in that regard. But it seemed a little strange that um, they used that question to try to test him or trip him up, you know, that he had silenced the Sadducees the, the, uh, Sadducees the week before, or I shouldn't say the week before, the gospel, right, the passage right before this, we, we read it last week, when, you know, they tried, they tried to 
catch him by saying, is it lawful to pay tax to, you know, to the, to the Romans, to Caesar? And, you know, of course he said, pay to Caesar what's Caesar's and what, you know, God what's God's. So this comes right after that. But the fact that the, that these guys, you know, these Pharisees wouldn't have known this or would think that it was a trick question or something that would be debatable. And yet at the end of it, he, he in effect kind of silences them too. So there must have been something in their minds that they thought was touchy or catchy in coming out with this. But the fact that he came out so definitely and deliberately and so affirmatively that these are the two laws. And then you look at it and it's kind of like, yeah, of course, that's the whole law and the prophets. It's love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, so there must have been something in the testing part of it that he just kind of sidestepped and completely... um, Bypassed. He didn't get. He apparently didn't get caught up in some of the, um, you know, maybe some of the technicalities that they would have been um, hammering on. But uh, uh, but it seems so obvious to us today to say, well, of course, why would that even be a test? You know, if somebody asked one of us that, we'd say, well, that's obvious. It wouldn't be a test. It's not really. But it must have been back in those days because it's positioned that way. Well, by the well, you think about it. I mean, they, they they were rule followers, and that's that's yeah. that was their that was their downfall. That was their problem. That was all about the rules, all about yeah. the law. And they, uh, and I, like they said, Tom. I mean, week after week here, we're reading it, and they're trying to trip him up on this. You know, if you mm-hmm. pick green mm-hmm. on a Sunday, is that breaking the law? Right. They, they were all about the rules. And what Christ points out, of course, is that well, you're missing the relationship. You know, right. as as we know, again, we look back right. now and go, of course, it's about yeah. God. It's about loving God first. But they missed that. They they right. acted out their faith, so to speak, just by showing what they did. We wore the right things. We ate the right thing. We and and but they missed the relationship. You know, um, you know, we're in, in your marriage. You think about it. You know, you can make rules of marriage. You can make a list of things to do and of things to, of not to do. But. At, at the heart of it is if you love your spouse and you're loving the proper way, those things take care of themselves. You know, you yeah. don't walk around in your marriage, you know, oh, I shouldn't do that, should do that. No, yeah. you, it's about a relationship. And that's the part yeah. that they missed. And Christ reminds them that, you know, love me, love your father with all your heart, and these things will take care of themselves. Not that it's not important, of course. You know, the right. rules kind of guide the relationship and give it a context. But that's what they missed. And so, yeah. you know, it, it was, it was, it was a, you know, it was giving us wisdom, but it was also a hit right back at them. In other words, you can follow all the rules, but you're missing the part. You're not loving. You're right. not loving God, and you're certainly not loving your neighbor. You're looking to condemn them and find out when mm-hmm. they didn't follow the proper rule. Yeah, right. They're missing the boat. Yeah. So the rule grows out of the relationship. The, yeah. the rule is, is a way to guide the relationship and channel it in a direction. So if you want to have a good relationship, don't do this and don't do this, but do do these things. Right. You know, right. so I stole that from your talk at the schools, <laughs> at the Catholic high schools. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. And, and as you're talking about rules and, and I mean, the hundreds and hundreds of rules that they had, I just wrote a question. Does, does this position, are they trying to position themselves even if they're not obviously saying it, but as, as God in a way, because the, all the rules that they had, they were external rules. So they can be like, okay, uh, you know, I'm good. I checked all those boxes. I didn't break any of those. I followed them all. I'm good to go. And you didn't. So I can judge you because you didn't right. wash properly or you didn't whatever. Um, but God looks at the heart I mean, he's yeah. the only one that looks at the heart yeah. and can look at the heart. So, um, it's really maybe prideful in a way to to set up a whole rules based religion because then it's okay I'm I'm God I can judge you based on whether you follow these rules or not yeah. as opposed to God who looks at the heart and even doing good to the neighbor that's why Jesus said, he didn't say love your love God and do good to your neighbor it was 
you shall love your neighbor. And mm-hmm. then again, he looks in our heart right. that we can be doing the, the good deeds to, towards people. But if our heart isn't pure and if we're resentful while we're doing it, it's, it doesn't mean anything. All right, so it's, it all gets back to love, and, and God is the only one that can see into our hearts mm-hmm. to see if we're truly doing it with him as the audience of one, that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who sees. I mean, we're doing it because we love you, Lord, and we need an outlet for that love. So I need to you know, take out my neighbor's trash cans out of love for you. I need to you know, give this person a sandwich out of love for you, Lord. It doesn't matter who sees it. Yeah. As opposed to doing it because there's a list over here that says these are the right things to do, and I need, I just need to make sure that I'm always on that side because I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to be seen, even judge myself as being bad. I want to be judged well, so I'll do all the good things, and I check off the boxes. Forget about God. Forget about the heart. Forget about the relationship. You know, anybody that raises kids knows that kids can do something you know, when you ask them to do something, they can do it and make it look like, you know, like they're, I'm doing, I'm only doing it because otherwise I'm not going to get fed or otherwise you're going to uh, take the TV yeah, away or otherwise, you know, so we all know that. So, but, uh, but when you, somebody does it with their heart, you can tell that too, when they, their intention is there, when they, when they're, you know, like when mother Teresa's sisters go out to minister to people, it's different, you know, people can feel it. You know, they can walk into a war-torn area or they can walk into a drug-infested inner city with gangs and nobody bothers them because their heart is in a different place. And that's a, and I was thinking about that when you were saying about where your heart is, Rob. That's, a, that's another way of saying where the relationship is, yes. you know, because that's how we can find, that's how we find somebody's hearts. That's how we see their heart is in, mm-hmm. is in how they relate to the people around them. It's the you difference know? between the perfunctory perfunctory. I apologize, which is like a statement, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like check it off the list. And right, I'm sorry, you know, or I'm, it's, it's from the heart. I truly am sorry for what I've done versus I'm going to state the words. I apologize just to, you know, did you, did you apologize? Yes, I did. You know, means nothing, yeah. but oh, I, I, I did the perfunctory thing. Yeah. So what's, what's jumping out at you, Tom? Uh, this passage just reminds me of the Blessed Mother. Um, you know, when you see her great humility, and these guys are obviously full of pride. The Pharisees are trying to trip them up. They're trying to say that, you know, we're better than you somehow. And I just see her great humility and her just let it be done unto me. Like there was no questioning or anything. She just had such great faith in God, you know, that when the angel appeared, she just said, you know, be it done unto me. So you can see that contrast between her and, and them and, and then her, just her obedience. Like, obviously these guys knew what the answer to their question was like, but were they actually being obedient to God's law where she was always obedient to, to it, you know? So, and then, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. We see her in Cana, you know, and they came to her and said, you know, they were out of, out of wine, you know, and she, out of love for them, you know, sees their need and wants to help them. So, um, yeah, I don't know, just all of this kind of reminds me of the example that she set mm-hmm. and such a great example for us too, you know, yeah. to follow. Essentially, I was praying the rosary, uh, the other day when it was the glorious mysteries and during the uh, the mystery for the assumption of Mary I and mean, body and soul I mean that's that's what we want right we want to mm-hmm. be 
united with her and our Lord and body and soul. And uh, so I was just praying for each one of the people in my immediate family that we would walk in, you know, that we would follow in her footsteps as disciples of, G- of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, so that we can join her someday, body and soul in heaven. Yeah, so she's she's an awesome model. You know, some of the saints, who they call her the safest, surest way to mm-hmm. Jesus, right? So yeah. if God could have chosen any way to send Jesus to us, but he chose to send Jesus to us through Mary, why would why would there be a different way for yeah. us, you yeah. know? So go to Jesus, you know, on the way back, go to Jesus through... Through Mary, safe and surest way, and she just takes us takes us right to him. I often wondered, you know, Jesus says, you know, love Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Why didn't he just stop with all your heart? Like when we talk about love, we say, I love you with all my heart, but he adds soul and mind, and I and I struggle yeah. with it. like what 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 is that? You know, what is that saying? And, and like I I thought that you know maybe that it relates to the you know theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. So you know, loving with my soul. You know, it's kind of like the hope that I, that I know, you know, that that God will get, deliver on His promise, salvation, eternal life, you know, through Jesus Christ. And so that's, you know, kind of surrendering my the destination of my soul to the promises that that God put God put forth. And then, of course, the heart corresponds to love. You know, that that, that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. it's that genuine, again, not that perfunctory, uh, artificial love, doing the actions, but real love emanates, you know, from from inside. And then faith, you know, faith uh, corresponding with the mind. I I think there's where I think I sometimes get conflict in my own life, um, you know, because again, faith, go back to scripture, God says, uh, don't worry about tomorrow, trust me for what you need, um, you know, pray for things, you'll, you'll, you'll get them granted, and, and we all read that, and, you know, and we, we believe it. But then do we? Because then the mind kicks in, you know, and then we start having doubt. Well, could that really happen that way? Or, you know, my own thoughts get in the way of loving God with my mind. I think loving God with my mind is about that trust or is about believing. You know, the other day we heard uh, someone speaking. They're talking about some really amazing miracles and healings. And how many times do we go, hmm, not sure about that, right? We love God and we're all in and we and we, and we believe in Jesus Christ. But then, you know, when, when things like that start to happen in the real world, we go, eh, I don't know about that. Even though all throughout scripture, we have all these promises from Christ that amazing things will happen and you'll do more than I did. And yes, the the winds will be calmed and the, and the dead will walk, but our mind gets in the way. And I think, so for me, that part of loving with my mind is, you know, that, that, it's it's not a conflict, right? Aquinas said, say mm-hmm. faith, you know, reason go together, but 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 trusting those trusting those things, letting that belief come from my heart and my soul, get into my mind, and go, you know, I have to take steps to live my life and do what's responsible. But Christ promised so many things that I can rely on God and that He will take care of things, and kind of like you know, let that let that faith permeate the mind. And so for me, that's what I come up with. How do I love God with all three? soul, you know, heart uh, and mm-hmm. mind. Um, and the mind, is, for me, is the one that I think has the tension point that I have to always work on, mm-hmm. always work on. That's where, yeah. like, the real battle is is in the mind. That's where the, the, you know, the devil can get in there and, like you said, Rob, with all the mm-hmm. doubts and everything. And I think I heard one priest saying that the only remedy for that is, like, that deep clin- uh, contemplative meditation where you're mm-hmm. reading scripture and then chewing on it as they say because now you're using your mind mm-hmm. for you know god's purpose and it, the devil can't stand that so he's going to run out of that battle you know yeah 
Yeah, we're getting into some deep water here, but um, Aquinas did differentiate the mind, you know, and kind of call that out as being part of, you know, what we bring to our relationship with God, what we bring to our, our worship. Um, but later on, even with some of the mystics, um, they don't clearly um, spell that out, but they talk about the spiritual path. The value of the mind is that it can be that rule maker that says, oh, you need to follow this to condition the heart when our hearts have drifted away. And when our soul, which animates our body, it's part of you know what we nowadays would maybe refer to as the subconscious or our unconscious mind. It's the habitual stuff that we do. Um, and we need to we need to work all the way down through that, and that's what contemplative prayer does. That's when you know when we enter a contemplative state, we're trying to unite, bring all that together, and unite it with God. But at the same time, here's the the catch: is the mind after a while can be become full of itself. And if you ever see the sin of pride, it's almost always around some intellectual activity. You know, the most arrogant people in the world are college professors. You know, they're, they're people who know a lot. They're people who think they know better than other people. There's such a temptation there with the mind when it gets disconnected from the heart and stops doing the work mm. of God that goes off on its own. Well, you know, that's kind of, I'll decide for myself what's right and wrong. I'm the one that, you know, like I don't need God to tell me. I'm, all of a sudden we have that that original sin, you know, like don't eat from that tree. You can have any other tree. You can think about anything else you want, but don't think about you decide for yourself what's right and wrong. I'll reach out and grab it and then, you know, I know you told me it was wrong, but I'm still going to do it anyway. But it's that whole thing with when we get our mind focused on our heart, like you said, Tom, it brings those two together. And then we start digging more deeply. We heard this from Monsignor Esif and Sister Core is it's not just a matter of looking at our conscience and seeing what, you know, what we do wrong and what we do right. It's also a matter of looking at what our motives are, what drives us, what's in the soul, what's deeper below the surface that we don't understand. And that's the hard work. That's where contemplation comes in. And, you know, most of us aren't at that level, but, you know, and even, you know, like I intellectually know this stuff, but can I sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament and really, you know, kind of stew in it like Teresa of Avila or John of the Cross? Nah, I wish I could, but, you know, mm. but that's the, that's the place where all of that comes together. And it's, again, it's all, we're united as one and it what it's what makes us in, in deepest union with God, but also in deepest union with other people. Because we can't, we can't find Jesus in other people if we haven't found him in a blessed sacrament. You know, mm. if we haven't found him in ourselves, how mm. can I be Jesus to you when I haven't met him yet? You know, I haven't run into him, the guy. You know, and when, when you think about, we think about the the commandment of love your neighbor. Sometimes we exclude our uh, we exclude our family from that. You know, it's like, oh, okay, I love everybody else, but I give my leftovers to the family. So, you know, we've all heard familiarity breeds contempt, uh, really, especially in our families. And I think the antidote to that is intentionality, that we need to be intentional, right? We need to be intentional with yeah. with our prayer life, first and foremost, right? Because we can't love our neighbors without right. being filled with God's love because our, you know, our neighbors, our family, they don't, they don't need more of us, they need more of God's love in us. Um, but it really being intentional about, about, this this call this commandment to love that uh, you know not not to make it check the box but to really be intentional and uh, and and purposeful uh, yeah because yeah, if not we just miss because yeah. a lot of times then we miss then then it's omission it's like okay right. well I didn't cheat on my wife I didn't beat my kids <laughs> I, but but what did I do right. you know right. like, then we fall into you know all these sins of yeah. omission like, I didn't 
help. I didn't offer. I didn't, you know, compliment. I, you know, all these sins of omission can creep right. in. And uh, you know, I think we need really, really need to be careful and make sure we're okay with putting the mirror in front of our own face to see where we may have fallen. Because I think the closer we get to our Lord, the more he's going to be open to revealing some of these little subtleties because the evil one mm-hmm. knows he's not going to get us most likely to do one of these huge sins of commission. But, you know, it can sneak in a little laziness, sneak in a little lust, sneak in a little greed, yeah. sneak in you know, all these deadly sins. He can really sneak them in and that's going to cripple our capacity to love. That that idea of intentionality is exactly, I think it's a modern expression and a good one of when we bring our whole self even, you know, beyond our heart into our soul, that our instinct wants to move in that direction. That not only are we doing something, but we're doing it with joy. We're doing it with a full commitment. We're we're all in, as as I know you like to say, Rob, but but that that's what it is. We bring our whole self to it. And it's also the fruit of contemplation that when we pray and we deeply reflect on that and it brings all of that together, that's how we can be Jesus for other people. Because mm-hmm. if, we, if we don't, you know, but that's, that word captures, I think, intentionality is that we're, we're actually focused on what we're doing, our, our minds there, our hearts there, and our souls, like we really want to be doing it. We're, we're all in in this thing. It's like, this is where, where I want to be. I wouldn't want to be any place else. This is exactly where I want to be doing exactly what I'm doing. And since love is a decision, not a feeling, and most of us are, you know, we end up getting driven by our feelings. If we wait to do the loving things, only if we feel yeah. lovey-dovey towards someone, we may never do it. So that's why the intentionality is that much more important that, you know, if we do the loving things and decide to do those, then, you know, the feeling may follow. But if we wait for the other way, for the feeling to come first and then yeah. reach out in love to our family and our friends and our neighbors, it may never come. And how many other areas in life do we just, you know, we we, we accept that, you know, uh, I don't feel like exercising. Well, of course, all the experts say, well, you go to the gym anyways, you know, you get yeah. out and you just take the first step and then you'll start taking the next step and you'll start running or, you know, so we we know, um, you know, again, discipline and work in all areas of life require us to do things when we don't really feel like doing it, you know, and yet we can do them. How many times have you been upset with somebody, you know, and then the phone rings and you go from being this, you know, ogre, hey, how you doing, John? Good to talk to you. Like you, you, you you can control that. And so, you know, our spiritual life takes no less work. I mean, people don't like to use the term work with our spiritual life, but it takes work. I mean, spiritual exercise, right? St. Ignatius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it takes effort. You know, it, it, it takes action on our part. You know, God stands ready to receive us, but he's not going to impose himself on us. You know, we want that relationship. We want to go deeper in the deeper water. It, it, it takes effort and it takes discipline. You know, all those same types of things. I want to have a good academic life. I want to have a good health life. I want to have a good work life. I develop habits and things that support those. Well, spiritual life is no different. And sometimes we just, we don't, we, we stop there and say that should just happen to us. No, it takes a little bit of effort, a little bit of discipline. And when I, and again, I say it, when I, when I feel least like I want to get down on my knees and pray is probably the exact moment. Oh, that's yeah. what I should be doing. There's no doubt about that. And the lower we get, I mean, we're following our leader, right? You know, when Jesus was exalted, the point in which he was exalted the most was when he was on the cross, right? So he was at his lowest point according to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's where our Lord, that's where the Father exalted him the most. So in our lives, uh, you know, as fathers, as husbands, as brothers, sisters, mothers, we, every whatever, wherever we are, if we follow the leader and, and really in humility, just go as low as we can, be silent, be hidden, right? And uh, 
And when he and was an exalted most by the people coming into on, on Palm Sunday, he was just hours away of the you know the worst yeah. his passion. So there's I mean the irony there as well. I also like this commandment. Um, you know, Jesus says it's the first and the greatest. And if we're able to keep you know this commandment, all the other ones don't even apply really because we're not going to we're not going to steal. You know, we're not going to mm-hmm. murder. We're not going to commit adultery because we already trying or are living this commandment so the other ones don't even apply you know mm-hmm. in a sense right you you could you could not steal not commit adultery not bear fault with it but you can but still not love god you could do those things um but you really can't love god and do those things at least at mm-hmm. that moment mm-hmm. you know sin you're failing to love god at that moment yeah. so you can do the actions and obey the law without the love but if you truly love you you can't you right. won't commit those things you know and even if you do then at that moment you know again you're failing to love at that moment so you're right Todd absolutely yeah. the the relationship is first and the rules guide the relationship and give it a context sure uh, you know the intentionality and the action is so important because uh, for me a lot of times I'll pray for I have a whole list of people I pray for every day at mass you know during the consecration I pray for people who are sick I pray for different relationship things going on people like all these I have like a whole list and then it, you know. If people get better, you know, it turns into a Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, my aunt was on that list ever since my uncle died. And I was praying for her every day, but I never called her. I went to the viewing, the funeral and everything. Um, but since then, I hadn't called her in a few weeks, but I was praying for her every day. But she doesn't know that. All right, so the other day, the Holy Spirit put it on my heart, call. You know, start calling some of these people that you pray for every day or texting them or something. So I called my aunt. Aunt Cookie, I don't know. Everybody's got to have an Aunt Cookie, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so I called Aunt Cookie and just said, "Hi, how you doing? I was thinking of you. I'm just praying like crazy for you. How you doing?" And we talked for a while, and then she called my mom. I can't believe Rob called me. It was so nice. So here I'm praying like crazy for her, getting up early, going to mass. But it wasn't until she felt something, like she she received something. Right. So I need to get out of, you know, pray. Yes, absolutely. I'm not saying don't stop praying, right? But we need to do something, right? We need to visit. We need to call. We need to send the cookies. We need to write the card, we need, right? We need, to, we need to get out of ourselves because that's giving up our time, mm-hmm. right? And we don't like to do that. Yeah. So for all of us, we, uh, you know, each, each day, let's look to do something, right? There's a song, do something. And, and it's, you know, the whole thing is, you know, you know, all this stuff going on and the guy's saying, well, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. I created you, yeah. right? So he created us <laughs> to do something. He created us to reach out, to be his love, to be his his heart, to be his joy. And then, you know, it gets back to the ask, seek, knock gospel. Everybody loves the ask, seek, knock gospel, right? Because Jesus saying, ask, seek, knock, and you'll get whatever you want, right? Uh, but then at the end, he tells us what to pray for. Ask the Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit, and the Heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit. Because then we can be filled with what the Holy Spirit brings, joy, peace, love, hope, kindness, courage, to then go out and give Jesus to everyone we meet. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you next time. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-1111
Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.